The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye welcome to poor ass podcast the show that talks about tough shit on a budget with your host veronica porus Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about tough stuff on a budget and can we live a more sustainable life while on a budget. Today's guest is a friend of mine in comedy, Wes Hoffman. Uh, In 2004, Wesley took an eight-week comedy college course with comedian Curtis Matthews at the San Francisco Comedy College. Four weeks of the class focused on writing and four weeks focused on performing with a final performance held at Rooster Teeth Feathers Comedy Club in Sunnyvale. Uh, Wesley surprised his peers. Where did this quiet kid get all that energy and made many connections on the comedy circuit thanks to the class? I wanted Wes Hoffman on the podcast. He, pretty recent, a couple years ago, he went through open heart surgery and uh, we first met as uh, comedians in the Bay Area, like doing comedy. But this is something that I didn't know about him. And um, he had open heart surgery. And um, it's been a couple of years. But I'm cur- I wanted to get connected with him. But like just to see how, how he's doing. I haven't seen you in like, I don't know, 10 years has it been? It's been too long. And, um, and then since COVID... And though there's still like you know, social distancing, live shows, and what and and whatnot, but um, wanted to check in with Wes to see how he's doing and um, get his take on on COVID and um, sports culture. Um, he's a big sports guy, and um, curious to get his uh, take on um, COVID and sports culture. So, um, Wes, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and, um, just to, not to skip ahead, but like, um, I didn't know about your open heart surgery. Well, what led up to that? Uh, first of all, hello. 
so I was actually uh, born with uh, this heart condition. Um, so I had a, what was called a bicuspid aortic valve. And uh, it was something yeah, I was born with. And we kept track of it every year, going to the cardiologist. Um, and it was just like, okay, one day you're going to need surgery. But we don't know when that day is. So every year, go in, get it checked, be like, nope, not this year. Nope, not this year. <laughs> and then uh, 2015 comes around, I go have an appointment, and the doctor's like, ah, oh, you might want to get it in the next six months. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like, last year you said, like, it's going to be a couple years. And now, like, who, who messed up on the math here? <laughs> like something, something's wrong. Wow. So, what, so does that, what does that mean? Is it, is it something going on with the valves or, or yeah, what there was, was like, exactly? a, like a leak, like a leak in the valve. So, Oh, wow. It can cause complications, you know, if it's not fixed. And, uh, so, uh, the, you know, my, my regular doctor, doctor recommended it. And then I went back to my cardiologist from like when I was growing up, uh, the one I, you know, grew accustomed to seeing to seeing and I contact contacted him on LinkedIn. I had to sign up for the pro account just so I could message him. And, uh, right. I used the free trial. I was like, please reply within seven days, please. Reply seven days. <laughs> my, my life depends on it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I messaged him and asked him if he had like a referral for someone I could get a second opinion from, cause I was with the Kaiser at the time. And, uh, so he gave me a, a doctor to see in San Francisco. I went there for a second opinion and she gave the same, you know, same uh, story, same news, uh, backed up the information, did some like tests, did like an MRI test, had to do a, a stress test, which I had never done before. I didn't, I didn't even know, like when they said, we're going to do a stress test. So I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that is, you know? And, uh, I went in for the stress test and, uh, <laughs> I had no idea it'd just be like running on a treadmill was the stress test. And then like, I never used a treadmill before that. And so at the same time I'm on the treadmill, uh, one of the nurses is like, okay, you got to stick your arm out to the right, like straight out. Cause they're taking my blood pressure at the same time. And I was like, okay, like this isn't really how I walk, but all right. <laughs> and then uh, another lady was like, so do you feel like, you're, you're walking like you normally would walk. And I was like, well, well the ground's usually not moving underneath me when I'm walking. <laughs> I was being a real smart ass with them. And, uh, <laughs> so then they, I think they, at that point, they decided to speed up the treadmill on me. They're like, all right, all right, wise guy, <laughs> let's, let's see how you do on this setting. And then uh, eventually I'm like, okay, okay, you need to stop it. Cause I couldn't keep up. I was running, just running that breath a little quicker. And, uh, they had me lay down and then, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, it's, it's definite for sure. You're going to need that surgery. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, we, uh, or my mom and I, we went in to meet the, the surgeon and, uh, he goes over the options for the actual valve and it was, uh, 
you can get a cow's valve, uh, which is good for like 10 or 15 years. And then you have to do it again. <laughs> or you get a mechanical valve, which could uh, possibly last the rest of your life, except you need to be on a warfarin blood thinners for the rest of your life as well. Or as of now, anyway, they haven't, they're, they're still doing studies of whether or not one day people with mechanical valves may not need to take warfarin in the future. But yeah. as right now, we still do. Um, and uh, I decided to go with the mechanical valve. I figured I'd rather just want the one operation. And since I was pretty younger, if I was like, you know, 60 or 70, I probably would have went with the cow's valve. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, my uh, my comedy set where I talk about it, I say pig's valve instead of cow's valve just because I like the jokes better. But <laughs> nobody needs to know. <laughs> they do now. I guess <laughs> they, they know now. now. <laughs> Insight secrets. So there's I a actually mechan- asked, the, I asked the surgeon that. I was like, if I get the cow's valve, can I still eat meat? And he, he didn't laugh. But... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so when, when did you have your surgery? Uh, it was September, 2015. It was originally supposed to be like September 25th, 2015. And then I got a call, like, I think 23rd or 24th. And they're like, Oh, we're going to have to postpone it like three days. So here I am anticipating mm. getting the surgery and you're not supposed to like drink or anything for, 24 hours or so before the operation. So when they postponed it, I called up a buddy. And I was like, let's go drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Last call yeah. before you go, before you go in. So it's been, it's been five, like five years now since. Yeah. Since about the, a little over five years. Yeah. What's changed since, since then? Um, I mean, my Kind of my diet's changed. Um, it's just more paying attention to what I'm having. Um, I have to not have so much sodium. So I really haven't had fast food for five or so years. Like every now and then I'll have like in and out or Chipotle or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's about it as far as fast food goes. I can't really have that much caffeine obviously what it does to the heart rate um which is which i kind of didn't like because i I do like coffee but i've been able to drink like half calf and it's fine it doesn't doesn't bother me um it's just drinking full decaf all the time. It's just like, I could tell the, I'm one of those. I could tell the difference in the taste. So it's kind of like, I'm like, Oh, um, I, yeah, I haven't had soda in over five years either. Um, and then there's like vitamin K levels. You have to watch because there's a thing called INR when you're on blood thinners, you have to keep your INR within a certain level. Um, like my range is like two to three, but different people have different ranges. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they determine these ranges for people. Like I would assume mm-hmm. everyone had the same range, but I found out later that some people don't. Um, but uh, so like stuff like alcohol can like 
make my range skyrocket, uh, stuff like uh, <laughs> green lettuce and spinach and all the food that's good for you can really lower it. So I don't have as many salads. So <laughs> it's kind of like I joke, I, I kind of say like, well, why couldn't I find out about this when I was younger? Like I, I should have had this operation when I was five and then I could have denied all the salads my mom was feeding me. But I know, bad for me. <laughs> salad's bad for me. Push away, no. Wow. Like broccoli's really high in vitamin K and like kale's really high. I don't really much care for kale, so that's fine. But Brussels sprouts, like, yeah, it's just like, so when I eat those, I just got to remind myself, you know, don't don't go for the super salad. Just get the regular size. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a just a matter of keeping it consistent too. like, like I don't want to go like three days without a salad and then four days in a row. I have a salad because it kind of it could throw off the numbers. Yeah. And then I get my blood checked like every right now. I've been doing it like every three weeks. So they, they, that's where they check the INR. So I have to go in for lab work uh, about every three weeks right now. Sometimes at, at max, it'll be like six weeks. So, yeah. Are you, are you, do you have insurance? Are you covered? Uh, I am currently covered. Yeah. That's good. I, I, I am medical insurance. That's, that's a hot, it's a hot topic today. And it's great that you are insured. Um, heart surgery isn't cheap. But also the maintenance that you need to do to maintain health, like post-surgery, um, how has that affected your budget? And have you found um, budget-friendly resources to keep your health healthy during, during this time? I wouldn't say it's really affected me too much in terms of the heart surgery. Um, The heart surgery I had when I was with Kaiser, I have a blue shield now, but um, it was in September 2018, though, that uh, I had uh, an ulcer, and uh, I didn't know what it was. Like, I was having, like, stomach pains and, and like, feeling constipated and stuff, and it was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I went into the doctor, and the doctor gave me some constipation medicine. I was like, okay. And then, uh, so then one morning I was like, you know, okay, it's, it's working. <laughs> and so I went into the bathroom and then it turned out like my stools were really bloody and uh -oh. that's a bad sign from, uh, you know, blood thinners. If you're on blood thinners and you have bloody stools, it's definitely not a good sign. And plus I was really dizzy that morning. Uh, so I called in, well, first I called down to work and said, yeah, yeah, I'm not coming. And then I uh, called uh, the advice nurse and I was like, uh, you know, this happening. They're like, okay, go into the ER. So I went to the ER and then they admitted me. And then I was there for like three nights and they found out I had an ulcer. I like lost a lot of blood. I had to get a blood transfusion. Whoa. Um, and I was really confused on how the transfusion worked too. Like, I'm, again, I've never had one of these. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I just picture someone sitting next to me transferring their blood to me. <laughs> like, I didn't think it'd be <laughs> pre-stored blood. 
<laughs> I don't know why. You know, I just thought, <laughs> you, know, you, you hook like you hook up two computers. I was thinking it'd be something like that. So I was like, oh, you hook yeah. up two people and we just transfer blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize how creepy that would have been if that was the case. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> looking at him like, are you done? Are you done? Like, <laughs> I, hi, what's up? <laughs> Have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, well, funny. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had that done, which you know they were kind enough to do, like at two a.m. in the morning. You know, their schedules for these things don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but the the bill from that that was a lot more than I anticipated for the stay and everything and uh and then uh there was some communication issues with kaiser um because I, I i got i asked be, to be put on a payment plan um to pay it off and they're like okay yeah and then so i was paying it monthly and then all of a sudden they start when i switched uh i i started a new job in sacramento in november 2019 only a couple months after that and then that's when i switched in search insurances and then it's like when i switched insurance they stopped giving me updates of where i was in the payment process so i was used to getting my reminder like reminder you owe this much you know this month and so i was like well i'm not getting the reminders maybe i don't have to you know pay or something you know yeah and so i was like if they don't say something i'm not gonna say something so then anyway, all of a sudden, like, uh, like a year later, I get a, a notification from Kaiser saying like, uh, my, uh, my balance is no longer exist, exists. I was like, sweet. My balance doesn't exist anymore. Awesome. And <laughs> then I found out what that meant was they, they, uh, gave the balance that I owed over to a collection agency. And so now the collection agency was asking for money plus five hundred dollars, what oh, I owed. Oh my god! So then, so then no. I tried to call Kaiser and I I made a complaint. And I was like, I was like, hey, you guys didn't update me, you know, like either email or snail mail telling me mm-hmm. my monthly statements, you know, so I could keep track, whatever. And yeah, I I guess I should have kept more track myself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but that argument didn't fly with them. I was kind of hoping with COVID and the whole situation, they'd be a little more lenient mm-hmm. on me not paying. Uh, but so eventually I had to shell out all the money, to the collection agency all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, uh, that wasn't very fun, but I, I managed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know this uh, health, health stuff shouldn't i mean it shouldn't be that hard like i'm i'm advocating for uh medicaid uh medicare for all um i think it's just ridiculous even if even if you are covered there's like the out of pocket out of pocket expenses that you still need to need to pay it's not fully covered right Um, so um I do, I do, I do see in your room base, you know, several baseball bats and like base, like baseball stuff. And, um, with your heart condition, you, you did play like little, little league as, as a kid. Um, how, how has your surgery impacted your sports life? 
Um, so I played Little League for like seven years. And then shortly before I got into high school, I, uh, my sight started to go bad. I didn't realize, I didn't realize my sight was going bad. I just thought I started to suck. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't hit the ball anymore. Huh, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I guess I'm bad now. And uh, I'm going to retire. And uh, uh, so I, I ended up finding out I needed glasses. And then uh, after a while, I was like, well, I'm going to want contacts for when I'm actually playing and stuff like that. Um, but then when I got to high school, I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to try out for the team or anything like that because I know there's weight training involved. And then if I did, uh, I wasn't supposed to do any kind of rigorous weight training with the heart condition. Uh, that's both before the surgery and after the surgery. I can't really, because I might stretch, the stretch something and make it bust and, you know, it's, <laughs> Yeah. Something could go bad. So um, I decided then I was like, okay, I guess I, I'm not going to be uh, playing anymore uh, competitively. Like I'll maybe play a big game every now and then. But uh, And then I got more involved with the theater in high school. Cool. Um I, uh, you know, I've, I've never kept up with sports either like nationally or, or local or locally. Um, what do you like? Like, what's the allure of sports? Like, I don't, I'm not a sports person. I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm curious what, what excites sports people. Well, <laughs> like, what, I feel what's like, the allure? Uh, like what, what excites you about, um, baseball? I feel like, uh, partially for me, um, a lot of it has to do with just family and what I, what I grew up in. Um, my grandpa is a big, uh, Oakland A's fan. We'll listen to the games on the radio, uh, when I was, was at my grandparents' place. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he'd get so frustrated with the team. He'd turn off the radio, uh, and then, maybe like wait an hour or so, turn it back on, check again. You know, if it's better, he'll leave it on. If it's not, he'll turn it back off. And, uh, my, uh, my uncles on, uh, my mom's side, uh, two of them, uh, are very, uh, Lanny and Lester. They're both, uh, into baseball. Uh, went to a lot of games with them, a lot of, uh, minor league games. Uh, so we would go to Stockton a lot. Um, Stockton Ports, uh, which were the affiliate, I believe, of the Brewers uh, when I was growing up. And uh, <laughs> there's like different times where my uncle Lanny likes to echo the players when they're playing. And I remember one time my uncle and I uh, got the first baseman for Stockton to flip us off. And we thought that was a win. We're like, yeah. <laughs> We got him to flip us off, and then he got taken out of the game. And we're like, "Oh, what happened to Flipper? Where is he?" Um, and uh, and so I think just with my family uh, being big A's fans, I was 
just kind of like, okay, yeah, the A's are my team too. Plus in the eighties, the A's were stacked with McGuire, Canseco and, uh, Walt Weiss. They had a big bunch of stars. They beat the giants in the 89 world series. And, uh, that's pretty much all they have to cling on to right now against giants fans. (laughs) And, uh, um, and then as far as other sports, like, Hockey, I, I really like hockey and the San Jose Sharks, but I didn't get into hockey till till much later. Um, like, I, I started following them more like in 2012, 2013. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to one of the Stanley Cup games that they had in San Jose. Um, got to see them lose, but it was still a cool experience. Um but, and then, yeah, and it's weird, like, I when I was, not so much now, since the Raiders have moved, but everybody was like, oh, wait, you're an Oakland A's fan, but you like the San Francisco 49ers, like, shouldn't you like both teams in Oakland, or both teams in San Francisco, and I was like, well, n- no, it's, it's, I think it's just because, like, during the 80s, that time, the Niners were so dominant, and the A's were dominant, so it was just kind of like, those were the teams I rooted for, but I've also stuck with them. So it wasn't like I was just a front runner and it was, it was just teams that I, I cheered on. Um, what's, what's your like take on um, fans who just hop on the bandwagon because they're just the hot team for the season. And then it's like, Oh, then the moment they start losing, they like, like, jump out i take it you're kind of like a long haul for the long haul type of thing yeah i'm in it for the long haul and it's frustrating as an A's fan to be in it for the long haul because A's claim they have no money to keep their players which isn't really true but they don't want to spend it um so the key as an A's fan is if you're going to buy a jersey don't buy one with the first player's name on the back because they're probably going to be gone in a year or two either <laughs> traded or signed with someone else so whenever i see a, someone in the stands with the player's jersey i was like well they're going to trade him so like you just cursed him like <laughs> um or or it's funny sometimes i'll see people with jerseys and it's like a player that played on on the team for like 10 games like i was like how did what, when did they even make this jersey like why <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, like when the the Giants won the World Series, what, in like 2010, 2012, and then 2014, after that first World Series that the Giants won, all of a sudden everybody in the Bay Area was a Giants fan. And it was just like, like people on Facebook too, like would start posting about, you know, the giants. And I'm like, I've never seen this person post anything about baseball. And all of a sudden that, you know, like they're winning, they're like, Oh yeah, way to go giants. Like, it's like, okay. You know, you do that thing. Okay. Name three people on the team. And if you really care that much, you know, it's kind of the standard response people give, but, uh, but yeah, it's, and I think the same thing happened with the, the golden state warriors there for, a stretch when they were winning. Um, there was actually one year, uh, I kind of stopped following the Warriors just because there was so many people that jumped on the bandwagon. I was like, 
I was like, I okay, did it. I didn't like, jump. <laughs> the Warriors, the Warriors got Kevin Durant, and then everyone's like, "Oh, the Warriors, the Warriors!" And I was just like, "Uh, I was like, well, if we don't win, that's like, like I, I figured like with Durant, I was like, if the Warriors don't win now, then that's gonna be, you know, terrible. Like, I'm like, what's the point of even paying attention because they're expected to win? Like, <laughs> It's like, I have no reason to cheer them on because they're going to win regardless. So I just kind of didn't pay attention as much that one year. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I, but once I got over that, I, I got back into Washington. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still have my, um, I, uh, I'm a, I do accounting contract uh, work as, as another way of making money. And one of my assignments um, the finance team got tickets to see a Warriors game, and we were in the the club, like or the club seats, like the um, yeah clubhouse seats. Like they got a they got a room, and as part of the event, um, the the person who organized the finance team event, they all got us like shirts, like custom made like Warriors um, t-shirts. That's on the back. It said Finance Ten. I don't, I don't know what the, the 10 stood for, but it was like our finance warriors um, t-shirts that I, I still have it. It's a cute, it's a cute shirt, but um, yeah, it was fun going to the game. I mean, like the company paid for it. We got free food and um, oh, they had like this, uh, I don't know. They must've got a, a fancy package because we had food club seats and then for dessert, the staff or the catering staff wheeled in, or it was outside, it was too big to wheel in, but outside it was like, kind of like a candy bar bar. Like it was a cart full of various candy treats and and popcorn and mm. like candy and like brownies and like cookies and and it was like a free for all. Like, yeah, take whatever you want. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so that part, like that part, <laughs> I like, that part was fun. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a 49er fan. Um, I don't really follow the fan, but like, as you said, like gro growing up, that, growing up in the eighties for the Niners during the eighties with like Joe Montana and J Jerry Rice, like that, those, those crew, like that's like my right. 49er, like, like memory yeah. and just because it just purely like just based on the memory, like, and just like my dad or just watching him watch games and like, like that's just the team that I grew up with. And like, I care about the 49ers if they're in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. like much how like Catholics just go to Christmas for Christmas and Easter. Like that's how I am. <laughs> that's how I am with the 49ers. Like, are you in the Super Bowl? No. Cool. I'm still faithful. Like, just let me know when you're in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, then I'll, I'll, t I'll tune in then. <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I have yet, I mean, even when I was, uh, living in San Francisco, like when the, when the Niners did move to uh, Santa Clara, like they tore down candlestick. I have feelings about that, but the move from, um, when the, the Niners went to the Levi stadium, which logistically for those who don't have cars, it was like, it's just a shitty stadium in a shit location. 
and it's right next to like the a, the the ACE line, A A C E. I think it's the ACE line, and that's on the East Bay. But that track isn't very. It's not like Caltrain, where it's like a train on the hour every hour. That train right. it's like only works. It's it's only it only works on the weekends or some ridiculous like schedule. So for those who don't have cars that are traveling from San Francisco to Santa Clara, you got to get on Caltrain. You go all the way to Mountain View, and then from Mountain View, there's either um, at the time I think they they did do buses. Like no, no, they didn't. They um, so you get off of Mountain View Caltrain, and then you take the the mount because right in, the Caltrain Mountain View station has the VTA, the light rail, and the light rail takes you to does take you to the to the stadium, and the stadium is like is near great right. America, the, the park there. And for those who right. are not familiar with the Bay area, just Google great America, Google Levi stadium. You will see the ridiculousness of the logistics of how this was planned. So like, whereas before candlestick, you, it, you can, you could easily take um, the Muni to, to the stadium. It was a lot, a lot more transportation friendly and it just wasn't transportation friendly when they moved the stadium. And this is one of my issues that I have with, you know, when it comes to sport, like sports culture, the ease of moving the fans, like um, AT&T Park. It's like, boom, you get on the, the train, you get off at 4th Street, like, bam, you're there. And so this whole logistical, cumbersome way to even get to the game is um is a hindrance and plus and plus they um i I saw on a news program like how much tickets were and they did like okay how much does a does a family need to make or like how how much of a paycheck goes into a game if like tickets food and i think they even like the cheapest tickets isn't isn't very um cheap either so your tickets your drinks and whatnot it was like um you would be spending like i want to say like 800 800 like for one for for one game i've never gone i i i never i was i never oh no i lie i did go i did go to one game but that was because a, a friend of mine had tickets like i wouldn't be able to get the tickets i was lucked out because my friend um, her parents had season tickets and they weren't able to go to a game. And she asked me like, that's how I was able to even go in the first place. So, um, I don't know, cause it brings me a talking point. Uh, um, if you have any insight on, on it about like financial acts or, or just having sports accessible to those who aren't making that type of money to even go to a, um, a sports game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I like uh, minor league baseball as much as I do. Um, tickets, usually 10 to $15. Uh, usually no bad seat in the place because most minor league stadiums are only like one one level, maybe two levels at most. So anywhere you sit, you really have a good view. Um, they do promotion nights like all the time. So you're, you're likely to give some, get something free when you go to the game. Um, then they play, you know, little games on the field in between innings to keep the kids more involved. Uh, 
or that's their hope anyway. Um, they always do like weird, like drink promotions, like thirsty Thursday and stuff like that. Um, but then this year, and it's, they're going to kind of say it's partly because of the pandemic, but it really wasn't. It's just more of a reasoning for it. It's, mm. it was kind of in the plans for major league baseball to do this. They cut 40 of the minor league teams out of the, out of the system. So oh. uh, major league baseball had triple a, double a single a, or sorry, high single a, and then low single a, and then they had like a short season league. And anyway, there's a lot of steps to get to the majors once you come out of college or high school or whatever. Um, and, uh, so they basically took away two levels. Uh, they got rid of the short season teams and they got rid of the rookie league. So 40 cities that had minor league baseball in their towns don't have minor league baseball now. Um, some of them are going to get like independent teams to play there, but it's not going to be, you know, the professional, uh, professional ranks anymore. So I know like, I think Staten Island used to be for the Yankees. I think they actually sued major league baseball. I don't know mm. what's, what's come of that or anything. Uh, but basically cause minor league baseball used to be their own separate, separate thing. And, the teams would have contracts with the major league teams. So like the Sacramento has the river cats, which are the giants now. And, uh, you know, Sacramento and the giants would work out a deal, but now it's like, okay, major league baseball has assigned Sacramento for the giants. And you have to agree to be their minor league team for the next 10 years. And if you don't agree, then, you're not going to be a minor league team. <laughs> like, there's no negotiation. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so in, in that, in some aspects, it's nice because you don't have to, like, if you live in Sacramento and you're a fan of the Giants and, you know, the Rivercats, you know, for the next 10 years, you're going to be able to see them in Sacramento. So that's nice. But it just gives the people of the minor league organization themselves less, less control. Hmm. Hmm. Um, what's, I don't know if, if, like, I don't mean this to be a dumb question. Like, as I said before, I am not a sports person, so I don't, I don't get minor, minor league or major league. Like why, why, what is the role of a minor league? Like, what do they do? Uh, it's pretty much all player development. Um, so you play in college and high school, you're using metal bats. Um, once you get signed professionally, uh, you're, you have, you start using wood bats. Um, technically if you want, you can use wooden bats in college, you know, if you use your own bats, but then that means you got to pay for your own bats and if they break, you got to pay for more and stuff like that. Um, so, getting used to hitting with a wooden bat, which is a lot tougher than hitting with a metal bat. Um, and then just learning all the more of the fundamentals growing, getting better. And as you get better, you get called up through the ranks. And, uh, that was their, one of their excuses for getting rid of a couple levels in the minor leagues was 
because, oh, not enough players make it to the majors. So what's the point of having those extra, you know, levels? Mm. But there's guys that have been playing in the minors for like 10 years, like playing in the minor leagues is their life. Uh, regardless if they made it to the majors or not, like they're still playing professional baseball. They're still doing what they love, but more so it's like mm. for these towns, these, uh, it's mostly economies that, you know, they have one less thing to go out and do now. And, and they're like economy, like <laughs> thrived on this minor league team. And now they don't have the minor league team. Now I know, uh, Bernie Sanders is really upset about it because he, uh, helped, uh, make a team in vermont the vermont lake monsters is their name uh and uh he was really upset that you know that team's gone now so yeah wow so these minor league these minor league teams was probably the economic boost for these little community like farm like would you say farm towns or rural rural towns Right. Yeah. Usually, usually smaller towns and, you know, I, I have no other reason to go to Stockton other than to see the minor league team play. Like (laughs) that's the only time I'm going to be in Stockton is to see them. Um, and there, I know there used to be a team in Bakersfield and it's like, well, no one's going to be going there now. And (laughs) wow. So, um, yeah, I could see, I could kind of see like why the major leagues would just, in terms of like cost cutting, but at the same time, you just deprived an entire community of right. like, you know, it was one of the few things that maybe brought a town together. Or right. yeah, man, that sucks. kind of brings me to my neck my next thing I want to explore like COVID COVID and sports culture and COVID how COVID has effect affected fan um, culture um, uh, we just had well February we had a Super Bowl um, some team won I forgot like I, I don't keep up some team won <laughs> but it's the same thing it's like well even pre-COVID like when the rate when when the Raiders won the playoffs or when the like some a riot will always break break out like they just can't like control <laughs> some people right. just can't control themselves and just gotta burn a car like okay I get it but like it's like okay we're in a pandemic and what I see is just fans like I get your team won. But like you not wearing a mask, masses of people just like infecting each other, whether they're asystematic or or not. You just never, never know. It's like rolling, rolling the dice. And what I see, it's like people that don't that are just not mindful. Like if they are like wearing a mask is like full. Your, your nose is covered. Your mouth is covered. That is wearing a mask. And. You know, what I saw is just like an excuse to like not be courteous or respectful for other for other fans when your team wins like a Super Bowl. So I don't know, like what's your take on like COVID and fan culture? Um, yeah, I 
I mean, even, even now it's still like up in the air, like what they're going to be doing for 2021. Everyone's like, all these teams are sending out these like, Oh, these are flex tickets. Like you can pick the games you want, but, uh, that game may not happen, you know, kind of thing is <laughs> they're just trying to get some kind of revenue to come in. Um, but, uh, I remember last year, like, uh, when baseball was initially postponed, like it, it was a week from opening day when they decided to halt play and I had tickets opening day. So I was like, ah, okay. And you know, at the time I was thinking, okay, it's going to be like a month and then, you know, opening day is going to happen. And then it kept going and going and going. And then mm-hmm. finally they decided to start playing in July. They're like, Oh, we're going to play a 60 game season. And they normally play 162. And I was just like, that's eh, not really a season. It's doesn't really matter. And then they, they also decided to change some rules up for safety or I think it was more just to experiment with them. Uh, but you know, we're going to say it's for safety. But we we really want to do this. We wanted we've been wanting to do this, and now this is a perfect excuse to bring in this rule, which mm-hmm. I, I don't like. When this commissioner has been changing a lot of rules lately, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of for the traditional fan, it's kind of annoying. But uh, I was like, okay, whatever, as long as this rule is only for this year. But then at the beginning of the season, I was like, I'm not going to watch any of the A's games this year because. If, even if they win it all, I'm not going to care. And then, so I didn't watch the first game. And then everyone's texting me, "Oh my gosh, did you see that home run? Did you see this? We won on the we won the bottom of the ninth." And I was like, uh, "No, I didn't watch it." And they're like, "Oh, you missed out." And I was like, "Uh." And so then I started watching it. Of course, like the following day, I was following along the rest of the season. But I, I was still like hoping. I was like, I'm like, okay, like if we win it all, it's not going to be the same. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's going to suck because I'm going to just be in my apartment by myself going, yeah, no one, woo, yay. Like, <laughs> like I, I want, you know, I want the big celebration where it's safe and everything. And so when like the Dodgers won it all or when the, Los Angeles Lakers won it all on NBA and you see these big gatherings in the street, like you said, and like it's, it's like, what are you doing? Like, okay, we won, but now we're like losing. Like, what are you doing? Like it's, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Um, and just like in the, I don't know, like in the shorter season, it's kind of like, Okay, now now do it for the regular amount of games. Like, see see if you can do it again. Because I don't know, it's that it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see like how the players uh, approached it. Because um, I know like uh, they played sixty games, which is less, but they had other protocols to like follow. So, you know, they had to get COVID checks before every game. They had to, when they were on the road, they had to stay in the hall, the hotel. They couldn't go outside anywhere. And so it's like, okay. So I understand from that standpoint, like it, it was more of a challenge than what it sounds like. So the fact that you still want it all, you know, that's, that's still saying something, but, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, 
in terms of like from a fan standpoint um personally i i would probably wait to even try to go to a game until i had my my vaccines um you know granted even if they're gonna socially distance and stuff because they, they do most of the stadiums are placing you in pods and stuff like that but you know you don't have to wear your mask if you're eating or drinking so if you're at a game you could pretty much say you're eating and drinking the entire time like who's gonna say you're not right mm. so I'm, I'm kind of like like knowing my luck I'll be seated seated not too far from one of those people that's like Oh, I'm eating. Yeah. I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And fans are crazy people. And then you're going to drop a pandemic on them. And then you're like in a stadium, even if you're socially distanced, it's like, there's always going to be some, you know, asshole or jerkwad to just like, right. you know, bend the rules or be like, you know, the mask is off the entire time. And it's like, well, I'm eating. You're, you, you're eating stri- 90 minutes yeah. straight. 90 minutes straight yeah. throughout the, this <laughs> yeah. entire game. Yeah. It's like, man, you know, F that. I just, I just like watch it, watch it at home. You right. know, I don't, I don't want to deal. It, even watching at home is weird though, without like fans and as many fans or no fans in the stands. Like, cause I feel like the fans supply a lot of the energy when you're watching the games. Mm-hmm. And so like, it took me a long time to like, be like, why is it so quiet? Like, oh, I have this built-in like fake crowd noise now, but it's like <laughs> whoever's in control of that's like making it cheer louder at the wrong times. Like, it's like, oh yeah. no, like what? <laughs> I wonder if, if COVID is really exposing the like the reality of fan culture and sports fan culture because you know through decades it's been so hyped like fan hype but you know when you take away like take away that that fan hype like what do you have just like you know a guy swinging a bat or just someone playing bass it looks like they're like friends playing basketball by themselves you know and you take away the revenue dollars (laughs) You know, there's basketball, a lot. You hear, you hear all the yeah. sneakers. Like, it's like yeah. I never heard so many sneakers on the basketball court until yeah. this year when there's no fans. <laughs> you hear it all <laughs> I could hear everything. The squeaks of the shoes. Like, exactly. A lot of companies, um, the companies that have usually um, placed uh, Super Bowl ads, they pulled out. Like, a Budweiser didn't did do one. You know, the, the, uh, yeah. the typical companies that you would usually see. And those spots aren't cheap. Super Bowl ads are not cheap at all. I, God, I think it's like, mm, like the cheapest one. Oh, it's like in the millions of dollars for like a 20 second ad. Right. And they weren't, they weren't, they weren't putting in, they, they weren't putting in the ad dollars that Super Bowl would norm, normally have. Hmm. What do you think about that? Like, cha- like, well, do you th- do you see COVID changing sp- sports culture like forever, or it's just going to change how we treat sports as fans? 
Um, it could possibly, um, like I know, like I like one of the things I like to do at minor league games, for example, is I like to collect autographs. Um, so like you know, go up to the dugout area before the game and try to get autographs or whatnot. And I think now and whenever this resolves, um, I think players are going to be more hesitant to sign for fans, like just because they don't want to be, you know, touching the same pen that you're using and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So I could see that possibly changing. Um, and uh, I know a lot of these teams that are planning to come back, bring fans in some capacity this year, uh, they're planning, you know, tickets have to be all mobile. You have to purchase your food through the, through the team app. You know, you have to do everything through the phone it's for your safety. And, uh, okay, yeah, but you take someone like my uncle who's 70 something years old, you know, he sure he has the phone, but is that convenient for him to have everything on his phone? Not really, you know, like, uh, mm -hmm. and, and plus like if you, if you're one of those people that like to scrapbook everything, you know, that you, you've done like, Oh, I got this ticket from that game, like no more physical tickets. So you can't really save, you know, that piece of yeah. history, so to speak. Like, like, yeah. What if something, dramatic happens in the game or whatever and you want to save it like you could take a screenshot of your ticket like i think i guess you could print that out i, I don't really know like <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. how how's your comedy um i i haven't i only do online show, shows and i mostly yeah. do recovery well, now I just, I, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable just doing like recovery shows, um, recovery comedy shows like right now. Um, I make jokes. I, I fully am embraced the comedian turned podcaster um, yeah. <laughs> life. Um, so how, how are you doing in this pandemic comedically? Um, <clears throat> well, I didn't. <clears throat> I haven't done a Zoom show at all. I haven't done any of the outdoor shows just because I consider myself a little higher risk. So I kind of yeah. hesitant to go anywhere. Um, I, uh, I couldn't jump into the Zoom thing just because, I mean, I've watched a few on Zoom, but then just after watching them, I was just like, well, I, I don't really, you know, I don't definitely not the same energy. And, uh, so I didn't, plus I spend my work days during the week on the computer all day. So it's just like, well, why would I want to just be like, Oh, Hey, let's go on the computer for a couple more hours. Let's make <laughs> it all day. Like, ah, no, I don't need to do that. Um, so I, I've been like, uh, Every now and then when I come up with something, I've been doing these like sketches on YouTube where it's, it's me, but then it's also me. And like, <laughs> so I have some, some fun, you know, doing some comedic stuff with that. Um, and then I've been working a little bit more on my podcast that I have, 
joke strap, uh, which I started like, I started like probably in 2016 or something, but I didn't really do it consistently. Um, so now with the pandemic hitting, like I started like recording more often than I had been. Um, and the, the basis for that podcast was supposed to be, you know, part sports, part comedy, but since I'm not really doing any comedy right now, it's just mostly sports. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, every now and then, like, you know, I'm still thinking of jokes and whatever. And sometimes I'll just, uh, it's lazy, but sometimes I'll just post them on Facebook instead of writing them in a notebook. And then, you know, I'm just like, and plus, plus then I'm like, oh, if it gets, you know, 10 likes, maybe it's a keeper. Because if it doesn't get enough likes, maybe I'll just delete it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 10 likes. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, uh, I like. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we're coming, we're coming towards the end. Um, let's see anything, anything you want to plug? Um, I suppose I could, well, I mentioned my podcast joke strap. Um, and then I'm on Instagram and Twitter under West joke, which is cool. a phrase that came about about in high school when I would tell a joke one of my friends was like oh that's a West joke so <laughs> yeah I, I got to listen um, to your podcast I like it for someone who knows nothing about sports um, I find it's really informative and if you like local sports uh, like kind of Bay Area you're like a do you, do you just yeah, cover local area. local Bay Area Bay Area, California, local sports? Um, mostly, unless it's something like big. Uh, like recently I talked about uh, this Mariners, Seattle Mariners president, CEO, who said a bunch of terrible things and ended up resigning because of it. So uh, I'll dive into some of the, the other teams if like they're making waves <laughs> ah the scandal so if you like scan if you like sports scandal wes will definitely cover it and hey if you're just that sports fan who likes local bay area california sports um wes is your man for that for sure and if you like comedy sketch i did check out your um the oh white elephant gift white elephant gift <laughs> youtube sketch where you play multiple characters uh, doing white elephant gift and i thoroughly enjoyed that so even if sports isn't your thing um check out wes you youtube channel for the sketches that he's doing in quarantine very creative very funny i love it a lot um oh dude talk about your um before we end, uh, talk about your um, your comedy album on iTunes, Slow Child. <laughs> uh, so Slow Child, I recorded like back in 2012. I used to uh, run a show at a place called the Morgan Hill Playhouse. And uh, 
while I was there, I was like, I think I got to take advantage of this space right now that I have it. So I set up a recording there. Um, actually Grant, Grant Lyon is another comedian that did his first recording there. And then, uh, Mark Yaffe did a recording there as well. Um, but it's, it was a nice, like 200 seat, uh, theater. Um, so I set up a recording there. Um, but yeah, it's on iTunes and Spotify and all those things. Um, slow child was just the title based off a, a joke I used to do, um, about, uh, that slow children's sign that's across the street from schools. And, uh, it's just me, like the cover is just me, like holding the sign, like, like a slow child. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good cover. Slow child. <laughs> slow child. <laughs> it's a, it's funny. It's a funny album. Um, Wes, thank you so much, Wes, for coming on the show and catching up. I'm glad you're doing well. Thank you. All right. And, oh, uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe, like. You can catch me on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Um, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Poor Ass Podcasts, um, at Poor Ass Podcasts, and my website, vcomedy.com, V-E-E. C-O-M-E-D-Y.com. And if anyone wants a personal video message from me, I'm on Cameo. So get me on Cameo. Wes's um, information is going to be on the show notes as well as mine. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye.